four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I don't care. I, I don't care. I don't care. I really don't care. I don't care. Maybe you should care. Okay, welcome back to Maybe You Should Care. I'm Dee Dee. I'm Jackson. Wow, it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a while since we've recorded and put one of these bad boys out. Yeah, once again, we recorded an episode and then one of us, aka me this time, was like, hmm, maybe that wasn't fully our best work and decided not to put it out. And I can get behind that. Can get I think behind that. I would rather us take a while or just take a second and make sure that we actually put out stuff that we like rather than like oh something happened gotta put it out because guess what something's always happening and yes it's kind of hard we've to decided to slow our roll a little bit be a little bit more careful and along those lines we are in a class together a semester at good old chapman university called media, media and, and politics. politics and so far i'm very insecure about our podcast we're like really concerned because first of all i read the first chapter of our textbook <laughs> and i was like oh my god are we the problem we are the problem i don't know we have this wonderful but kind of crazy but just intense and interesting professor she's the only like one of the only female phd presidential scholars in the u.s she's like Brilliant. Brilliant. I really, she's very, very, but, very yeah. smart. And she trusts no modern media. It's hilarious. No, she like, basically she, sees no validity in any of it. Well, okay, we're a weekend. Maybe we'll get to the validity part. Yeah. I think, I think she, <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to speak for her, but it seems like there, she just has a critique of it. You know yes. what I mean? Like, I wouldn't say she doesn't see any value in <laughs> no, it. No, I'm being it's a hyper- certainly hy- hyperbolic. That's the word. Yeah. But yeah, she basically. She probably wouldn't see much value in no, what if we're she doing right if she now. knew we were doing this, she'd be like, "Let's have a chat after she'd be class, like, guys." <laughs> no, <laughs> it's um, amazing. I mean, the the number one so... thing that she's been talking about is how media is no longer just about you know news and factual information. Everything that you get is a an opinionated version of the facts, like pretty mm-hmm. much out the gate. Like, there's very little like cold well, hard facts left, right? Kind of. I think one thing that I really picked up on is that like. For particularly bigger news organizations, like you got your Fox Newses, your MSNBCs, the big three, all that jazz, you know? Those um, are not the big three, but yes. Yeah. The ABC, the NBC, See, the CNN, yeah. ABC, whatever. All the stuff that we don't watch because we don't have cable. Because we, we're yeah, young. Because we, <laughs> we use Twitter. our computers. Um, but basically they're separated into kind of like a straight news division and then more of the like after hours commentator like mm. fox news popped in mind because it's like you got your sean hannity's and then like i guess like chris wallace kind of yeah um so but that being said one thing that was interesting that we like briefly talked about is that a lot of media outlets like even if their specific writing doesn't have like an explicit bias in it like you can't tell like the fact that they chose to cover it, it demonstrates some kind of bias of like we're deeming this newsworthy, which is mm. like kind of this inherent thing that'll happen. Yeah, because with whatever they pick, but it's deeming it important enough to cover. So it's like if you don't cover something, that is also sending a message oh, in a way. Damn, that was. But deep. it's hard to cover everything because we're all on Twitter and like yeah. newspapers are like by staff. 
I feel like the media is kind of split into like these two boxes in my head where it's like the stuff that older people pay attention to, like all of the networks that we just listed. Mm-hmm. And then there's the stuff that we pay attention to, which is like we scroll through social media and there's a link to a New York Times article or a link to a CNN article. Like it's mm-hmm. never like we're directly watching the news cycle and having people talk at us. I feel like we more get snippets of it and we get links to other snippets. It's like, a lot of snippets. Yeah, we're like creating our own collage of information. I like very very rarely will watch like regular tv like morning <laughs> Jackson what pop. do we have to watch every week for our class with Lori <laughs> oh oh wait that's also true so yeah. and I watched two shows I watched <laughs> The View which I've been a little As frustrated know, with lately Jackson because the they've been saying some not nice things about Bernie Sanders but hey they have their own views <laughs> Um, thanks for laughing. Uh, and then we also have been watching Media Buzz. Yeah, we're watching a Fox News show for yeah. class. I'm not gonna lie, I got a little nervous at work last night when I had my phone open and I had the Fox News app downloaded, like, wide and clear. Oh, I was in a dressing app. room. Yeah, I got the app. I watch it from the app because we have to watch, um, a show called Media Buzz that airs every Sunday on Fox News. We have to watch it for class. And I have, I'll ask yeah, you I have the app. Yeah, this. definitely hop on it. <laughs> we don't have to do But I was right in a now. dressing room at work and they're like, I was surrounded by mirrors and so, and I was the only one of my phone and there are 10 people in there and my phone was being reflected like 20 times around me because we were in a room with mirrors and like right there bright blue on my app or on my app list was fox news and i was like i hope none of these fellow performers think i am a fox news fan but but what does that say about our society it says that we're divided yes it does yes everyone buy us versus them I haven't read it yet, but I really. Why we're polarized? I told. I've listened to snippets of it and like interviews he's done. (laughs) I told boyfriend Jake I want Ezra Klein's new book for Valentine's Day. That's a great. I don't think it's gonna happen, but that's okay. Uh, I can't. I mentioned it months ago. We'll see updates to come. Drop some hints. Drop some more hints. The hint is we'll put this podcast out (laughs) right before Valentine's Day. Jake, I'm gonna make you. Yes, which he won't. Okay. Anyway, should we actually get into like? substance uh, wait oh wait before i want while before we're still on the substance. topic before substance on the topic of Lori coxon our wonderful professor should we say her name um it's fine we go to chapman she's like a really respectable professor i think okay. that's okay she's out you. there she writes books yeah she's part of the i really media like sphere. Her. she's a wonderful lady yeah i have a lot of, um, lot of respect for her. she definitely jackson you said it what was the quote that she said about how young people she said something in class and <laughs> i wait, wait. very much Perked my head and I was like, oh boy. Wait, she said two things. The first thing was she said, everyone knows someone who is constantly consuming politics because it's the only thing that keeps them going and they're always paying attention to it and they consume it 24-7. And I was like... Oh, is that us? I was like, oh my God, that is that is me and Jackson. Yeah. And the class is really tense so I couldn't like tap you and be like... <laughs> but <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. But anyway, what was the other thing that she said? Um... It basically something along the lines of like, as wonderful as and as great as this class is and as great as students are, I don't think that uh, every twenty year old should necessarily go out on television and pontificate their political views. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm a twenty year old who's uh, twenty one year twenty. Oh my 20, god, I'm twenty two. Wow. Anyway, um. <laughs> Maybe that adds to the argument that I shouldn't be spreading my views. They should not be pontificating on the public airwaves. Which, honestly, I think that in a way she's right because one, I could say something wrong, which I'm constantly worried I'm going to say something that's just like. We have said incorrect things. Oh, yeah. My mom reminds me, and we do. We definitely have. Um, And then the other thing, I'm like, 
I'm sure that as I get older, my views will change a bit. Mm -hmm. And, like, I might say something now and find out more information about a topic later on. And who knows? And then I'm like, wow, good thing there's a record of me saying something Yes. When I'm 22, that was like, kind of dumb. We're definitely putting ourselves at risk for having and do say that was proper grammar dumb things. Mm-hmm. We have said, and we will probably continue to say, a lot of silly things that we will probably regret, mm-hmm. but that's what editing is for. That is what hindsight is for, and we will do our best to recognize our sweet little flaws. If you at me, just let me know. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably agree that I was a We dumb desperately <laughs> so. need to make a Twitter for this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll that people put, can we'll put actually that on add our to-do us. List. Yeah, that's on our to do list. All right. So basically, in the last few weeks, well, okay, I'm going to start by saying that Jackson and I started doing this over the summer, which was so, there was so much media buzz over the summer for the upcoming Democratic primaries that would be starting in February. And we are now in February, and they have started, which is a little bit crazy because we've been talking about all of these candidates and all the buzz and all of the blah, 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 and Mm -hmm. all the campaigns and all the media, and we're finally in the middle of it, and it is so much more emotionally taxing than I thought it was going to be. It's just so much is constantly happening, and Mm -hmm. it's covered so heavily, and also (laughs) we're doing this to ourselves. We're so invested (laughs) in it for no reason, but... There is a reason to it, too. I think it is a very important Mm -hmm. thing that's happening right now. But you're absolutely right. Like, we've been talking about this for so long. And it's cool now to see everything happening and seeing, like, what predictions were right, what was wrong. Um, One thing that I personally did not predict happening was that an app would destroy the Iowa caucuses. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know if we want to dive straight into that. We can dive into it a little bit. Um, I mean, it's just... Wowza. I feel like last election, um, 2016, like, I was paying attention, you know, enough to know that it was Hillary and Bernie and that there was some drama with Bernie and that it was going to be Hillary and then everyone thought she was going to win and then she didn't. But I was younger. I was in high school going Mm -hmm. into college and I, at the time, I'm sure I thought I was brilliant. But in retrospect, like, it was kind of hazy, my actual perspective on what was going on. But now that we're, like, four years older, I'm sure we'll be saying the same thing four years later in respect to what we're thinking now. But mm-hmm. I definitely feel like I, this is the first time where I feel like I'm a coherent adult in some ways. I'm definitely not fully an adult, but a mature person actually consuming the and election. And you're paying attention to it. Yeah, like this is, it's our first one. You have opinions on issues yes. versus like, oh, this one or two things I know mm-hmm. I really like, but I don't know how I feel about yeah. this or like foreign policy. Exactly. Or like, this I is like a grown-up version. Like, like we're actually doing it. Different so. climate policies. Like I feel like now we have a bit more of an understanding of what the conversation actually is, mm-hmm. um, and to the point where it's like, oh, we're not just relying on the opinions of like people we see on TV. Yeah, but or it's like, like our oh, parents or friends. Yeah, it's like, oh, I can hear them say this and be like, oh, I very much disagree now. Mm-hmm. Or oh, yeah, good point. Not yeah. to say that back then. Didn't also have opinions, but, like, I totally agree you know with you. What? Here's just, the thing. You know what? You pay more attention. We're growing. We're learning. To all the other confused 20-somethings out there, we're all trying our best. And with that being said, you probably heard a lot about Iowa. So, what happened in Iowa? <laughs> so, <clears throat> as I think we've probably mentioned, Iowa has a caucus system, which mm-hmm. 
if I were a, a betting man, I would guess this will probably be one of the last Iowa caucuses. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that they're probably going to switch over to a primary system, mm-hmm. um, which I think would probably be a great idea given how Iowa went. Yeah. So a well, brief... Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe you were about to say this, caucus versus primary. We've talked yeah. about it before. But let's, let's talk about it again. Recap. Yes. yes. Okay. So when you think of voting, you get a little ballot, you check a little box, and then you send it off, or you hand it to somebody, or you're in a booth. That is a primary. That and is a. What if I told you instead we could meet in a <laughs> church basement, a high school gym, and a community center? Wow, that sounds really unpleasant. And then all of us, we get in there, and then we get in different corners of the mm-hmm. room. With signs. With signs. And then if there's not enough people in our corners, then we go to the corners where other people are. Mm-hmm. Each corner is representing a candidate here. Yeah. Uh, we want big corners. Big corners. Uh, and then they count you all up, and then they assign some delegates uh, according to what geographical uh, location you're in. Wow, that sounds... And then they say, Democracy. That really doesn't sound like democracy to me, Jackson. Oh, and I forgot the important part. Mm-hmm. You're inputting it all on an app. Okay. So that was Iowa. That was Iowa this time around. And that was a caucus that Jackson just described so eloquently. And it sounded confusing because it is. And it sounded outdated because it is. And it was a system created in the early 1800s when, like, you know, bored, educated white dudes who were the only ones who, like, knew how to read and were allowed to have political opinions would gather and, like, talk about and share their views, and so it evolved into a way to choose delegates. Wow, what does delegate mean? Basically, in order to become the nominee, at least of the Democratic Party, I'm not sure about Republicans, you need, I think, 1,990 delegates to become the nominee, and you get delegates that are distributed by population throughout the country, and I don't exactly know the math that goes in to the precincts and districts, mm-hmm. you know, like it's it's divided by population in your county, but basically if you're in a caucus state, you're assigned to go to a certain location based on where you live. It could be the local elementary school cafeteria or it could be a church basement in I don't know, like nearby. It's supposed to be geographically close to you. And like Daxon said, you literally go and stand with other people in your designated room who are also voting for the same candidate as you. And then you have to within that room, you're candidate has to reach 15% of the support in that room and if they don't then you have to move to a different group so you could change your like you are often forced to change your mind Mm -hmm. in these caucuses and so regardless of who you go in supporting you could end up being forced to support somebody different or leave or leave you can just walk out but the thing is you can't do this if you're living out of state you can't do this if you're a senior citizen who is too tired or unable to get there work if you have work the next day, mm-hmm. if you have little kids at home, if yeah. you're a college student with an exam that night or the next morning, like it's not easy to do this. And it mm-hmm. got it's been getting a lot of criticism for years. Mm-hmm. But Iowa is the first state to choose a nom or like have a nominee pros- nom- nomination process for whatever reason mm-hmm. it's a caucus. And this year, despite all of those complications, the Iowa Democratic Committee also decided to introduce this app called Shadow. And great name. Great, sneaky little name. And the people were not voting with this app. It's really important to recognize mm-hmm. as people were not going in and like clicking, I choose this person. Obviously, that's important because that would potentially open up the door to 
hacking because apps are easy to hack. That didn't happen. It was just an app that was supposed to help count the votes and send those results to the headquarters. But we it didn't work. had a glitch. It didn't work. It had a glitch. Sorry, that was a really long rant. I just no, that wanted was to talk about a fantastic caucuses. way of explaining Thank you. it. Thank you. I'm really just good. trying to remind myself of our little brand here, no, which that is, was what really the fuck good. is a caucus? No, That's that my was... basic explanation. <laughs> That was good because sometimes I forget that we're supposed to be informative and I just, I, I just kind of ran. No, that's why, that was really that's good. why we work so well together. Wow. But anyway, know. that was my caucus rant. And that's what happened in Iowa because the app mm-hmm. wasn't working. People couldn't download it. People didn't understand how to use it because you know, your little grandma in Iowa is not expected to know how to count votes with an app. Um, yeah. And then when people were supposed to, like, and then they were like, oh, the app's not working. Let's call in our results. Turns out everyone was. Everyone was, and there were only, like, ten people manning the phone lines. There's this great, well, I guess it's not great. There's this awful <laughs> clip of um, a precinct captain calling in, trying to report his results, and mm-hmm. he's been on hold for two hours, so he calls into I believe it was either CNN or MSNBC. I think it was CNN. I think it was CNN, and is basically talking about it, and while he's on air they answer, and then they hang up on him because he didn't respond quick (laughs) enough because he was trying to get off air. So it was a little disorganized. I feel like that was really illustrative of the problem. And, I mean, even before you get to, like, the caucus itself, which, as you explained, is kind of a convoluted process that, while it has a very rich history, Mm -hmm. uh, it's... It's not modern. Yeah, it's out of date for what we need. And another thing that some people are pointing out might be out of date is the idea that Iowa goes first Ooh. and not a state that's both, you know, more representative of the Democratic Party, but a state that's representative of the country, really. Yeah, let me pull up the um, statistics that I found from that because yeah, it's be like great. rough. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very much a predominantly white mm-hmm. state, it's a very small state. Um, which is, like, another thing, too, with, like, the Iowa caucus that's, like, so frustrating is that, like, it, it's a relatively small state. Like, yes. why can't oh, we get their votes right? Yeah, uh, and yeah. the reason why it matters that people are questioning the importance of Iowa going first is because we don't, not all the states go at once, and there's a really long gap between the first and last state. So while mm-hmm. Iowa goes in February, the last states could go in, like, May or June. And by that point... People pay attention to the momentum coming out of Iowa. So mm-hmm. even if it can't, because by the way, we've only had two states and there's still like upwards of 90% of delegates, that important count that oh, I mentioned earlier. Yeah. There's still so many delegates up for grabs and Iowa only had like less than 100 delegates, I'm pretty sure, up for grabs out of like the o- almost 2,000 that you need to become the nominee. But even though it like is such a small, slim number of delegates, it's like the energy and the momentum and the popularity coming out of Iowa mm-hmm. that matters. And so that's why it was so problematic when you didn't get your results until late the following day. It was Tuesday yeah. afternoon. So let's flash forward to Tuesday afternoon. Let's talk about what happened. Who was I mean, the winner? <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, you brought up a great... Like, I remember, like... Sorry, just, like, after... Or Hillary Clinton coming into, like, California to campaign by the time, like, we were voting, there was already that narrative of, like, oh, she's going to be the front runner, she's going to be the front runner, mm-hmm. you know? So that means and more people want to vote yeah, for her. Yeah, and I think one of the classic examples is, like, Obama's big kickoff that he got um, mm-hmm. after Iowa. Um, so, yeah, while it's, like you pointed out, not a huge number of delegates and that's not, the, like, the determining factor, it's really that narrative, which is important, which is why... Uh, Sorry, I just got a text. (laughs) (laughs) 
why you come here for professionalism. Um, But that's why it was so frustrating that both the results were late, that the results came out with inaccuracies, Mm -hmm. that the results were partially released in those partial releasements. It came out with like 62% of votes in like a day or two later. Um, And it showed um, basically what ultimately happened, which was Bernie Sanders winning the popular vote in Mm. Iowa with Pete Buttigieg getting... Did he tie or get more? He got more. Yeah, he got more state delegates. Oh, wait, really fast, just because I mentioned it. The statistics of Iowa's population, I wrote this down... 88.7% of Iowans are white. Only 63.7% of Americans are white. Iowa's immigration population is about 4.7% of the state, while the United States is made up of about 13.1% immigrants. So you can just see that while these results in Iowa, like, have so much importance and validity Mm -hmm. in the way that people talk about this process, it's not necessarily what the rest of the United States would have, Mm -hmm. like, given for those results as well and i also think that it's kind of easy to put so much emphasis on iowa and also for like the same reason that it's easy to put so much emphasis on things like national polls um it's because it's it provides like a clear easy picture it's easy to be like oh uh, nationally, like, X candidate is leading, and in Iowa, X candidate also won, like, they're doing well, but in reality, we, that's not how our system works. It's how candidates do in various states Mm -hmm. and getting enough of the electoral college vote to actually win. So it's like, yeah, they might be doing well nationally, but are they doing well in the correct states that they need to be doing well in, which is an (laughs) which if you think is kind of dumb, maybe that's an argument for getting rid of the electoral college. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that we use to simplify and rationalize the way that politics works in conversation by being like, oh, the popular vote and oh this national poll or just oh, who's Iowa. winning in the polls yeah it's like, like that well, kind of stuff poll? it makes it really easy to yeah. like be like oh i can make sense of what's going on but in reality that doesn't really reflect how these results play out mm-hmm. speaking of results you Let's mentioned so it. basically bernie okay so because iowa is a caucus and not a primary as we just explained in detail Pete Buttigieg came out on top this might not be because people went in and said, oh, I'm going to vote for Pete, but they might have gone in and said, oh, I'm going to vote for Joe. My room doesn't have 15% Joe. I guess I have to change my mind. Okay, I'll go to Pete. So he ended up winning, not necessarily because people went in wanting to vote for him. Bernie Sanders, as you mentioned, won the popular vote, which mm-hmm. means that more people 6, went in wanting people, to vote for him. But yeah. If that makes sense. So he did not really win the Iowa caucus, Pete Buttigieg won the Iowa caucus, but if you counted the votes in Iowa like you count the votes with a normal primary ballot, Bernie Sanders would have won. Yeah, Pete Buttigieg got more state delegates. Yes. Yeah. Barely, by like one or two. Yeah, and regardless of that, like either way, Pete Buttigieg did much better in Iowa than people were really expecting him to do. Okay, we were in... Better than I was expecting him to do. Jackson and I were actually together at school about to walk to our lovely media and politics class. We were just sitting in our lovely student union. And I also, by the way, I was texting people being like, I can't believe the results haven't come in yet. I think it's going to be this. I think it's going to be this. Mm -hmm. I get up to pee. For one second, I bring my phone. I'm in the bathroom and I get texts being like, oh, you didn't hear Pete Buttigieg won. And I was like, you're making that up. That's not true. And then I walk back out and it was true. Like I was gone for two Mm -hmm. seconds and I missed the fact that Pete ended up winning. And part of the reason why we thought that 
it might not be true is because Pete very, very early on declared victory when results weren't in. Yeah, when results were still being organized, mm-hmm. Pete Buttigieg gave a victory speech and everyone was like, bruh, what are you doing? So he gave a victory speech and then had, when the initial results came out, mm-hmm. uh, or partial ones, it showed Pete, again, winning. Yeah. And so he was able to really campaign on, I don't know. I think, ultimately, I think Bernie has a stronger narrative coming out of Iowa. I think just because he won the popular vote, which I don't know. I think that But like, that might given, just be because you're in a Bernie Sanders circle where people share that content. I guess. I mean, for all the emphasis that was given, like, well, Hillary won the popular vote. Mm. You know? And there's videos of, like, even Pete Buttigieg being like, if you win the popular vote, that's how you win. Like, early True. on. I so see I, the double standard. You know what I mean? Yeah, Oh, that's messy. That's really hard. Yeah. Also, a lot of people I've heard being like, I feel bad for Pete Buttigieg because usually, like, the winner of Iowa, that momentum is really important for their campaign. And if the results were released normally, if these, like, if this mess hadn't happened, Pete would have had that night where he could have been like, I guess he kind of made it for himself by declaring victory. But he would have had a normal night of, I won, and then we're going on and we're going to win the rest of these states. But because of how messy it was, that momentum was kind of lost. Which mm-hmm. I guess brings us to New Hampshire. But I think that we should talk about the rest of the winners. So in first yeah. place was Bernie. Or sorry. Oh, in first place. That's Texas. right, folks. <laughs> no, we <laughs> were sinned. In first place was Pete speaking in the rules of the Iowa caucus. Sorry, Jackson. Mm-hmm. In, in first place in popular vote was Bernie. <laughs> we get who, who came in Jackson, second. who are you voting for? And um, was third place. <laughs> <laughs> third place in uh, that was, Iowa yeah. was Elizabeth Warren. Yes. Yes. And then... Good old Joe Biden. Yes. And then Amy Klobuchar. Yes. But once we got to New Hampshire, those results had changed yes. a bit. But let's just stay on Iowa for yeah. one second. Go for at it. me. Uh, <laughs> Joe Biden did not have a great time in Iowa. Yes, I was about to say, the one thing that we can all agree on, whether or not you're a Bernie bro, is that Joe Biden fucked it. <laughs> he had a rough time in Iowa, and I think that that's particularly damaging for him in the sense that like so much of his candidacy has been built on the idea that like uh, joe biden i'm the electable guy i can bring together different parts of the democratic party i can beat trump i can win so when your argument on winning the presidency is based on the fact that i'm electable and you're not electable that pokes some pretty big holes oh my god can we point out that literally placing ahead of joe biden was a gay dude a grumpy old Jewish man and a woman. And people are out here saying that Joe Biden was the most electable candidate. Sorry. They just proved their entire argument wrong. And I think that, again, like, this whole electability thing, something that I think we've been saying for a while and that I <laughs> still agree with, uh, is that you electability's dumb. You yes, know how you find out who's, You know who you find out who's electable? You elect them. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, people... You like them, they you like know. them, and then they fill out a ballot, <laughs> or they yeah. go to a gross cafeteria at ten o'clock at night. Yeah, um, yeah, like Joe or they Biden. Scream at their neighbor for <laughs> <laughs> being a Tom Steyer fan. <laughs> Do you, okay, I love. I'm really proud of us because for months. So many people have been like, okay, but why do you care so much? It's just going to be Joe. Like, I've heard that comments from my family, my boyfriend. So many people have just been like, oh, who cares? Joe's going to win it in the end. And I was so sure. I was like, it's not going to be Joe because he doesn't actually excite people. 
that's just people being scared that Trump could win again. Mm-hmm. And we were freaking right. Because Joe, like, he, he could make another turnaround. He could. We but still have South Carolina where he's expected to do better than in, where he's In recent history, doing. there has not been a single person who's won the nomination who did not come in the top three in Iowa or New Hampshire. And Joe Biden did neither of those things. No. And, yeah. There hasn't also been a candidate who has won New Hampshire and Iowa and gone on to not be the nominee. Damn. Um, well, I guess, should we talk about New Hampshire then? I guess. Uh, yeah. No, well, you're going to say something and I want to hear it. I was just going to make that as another, again, point for Bernie. In the sense <laughs> that, you know, Hillary didn't win Iowa and New Hampshire. Obama didn't win Iowa and New Hampshire. Bernie also did not win Iowa and New Hampshire, Jackson. But by the popular vote, he did. Um, <laughs> so I'm just throwing that out there, people. Uh, so, yeah, but, but a little bit to Biden. We are just talking about how poorly he did, but I think that this weird delay in the results coming out, so also the general just, like, confusion and, like, people being like, I want it now, and, like, the media cycle being forced to move on because of, like, the State of the Union, and so... Oh, what a crazy And week. Trump's acquittal, and just... Oh, my God. There's so much that We're happened. We're so wrapped but, like, up in elections, we really yeah, haven't zoomed out. We really haven't even touched on, like, the other million important things mm-hmm. that happened. Um, but since we had to move on with that news cycle, Joe Biden, doing so poorly, I think, kind of got swept under a bit more He got than, away with it a little bit? A little bit. I mean, I think it's clear that he's not doing well. Um, just... To slightly transfer over to New Hampshire, he did very poorly there as well, yeah. and he actually left before okay, wait. the results had finished. Before we get into New Hampshire, yeah. you, I think you're right in the fact that so much other stuff happened. Maybe we should go chronologically, because Monday night was Iowa, or was it Tuesday night? It was Monday, because we had class Tuesday when we found out the yeah. results. So, Monday mm-hmm. night was Iowa, Tuesday we got the results and then the State of the Union happened. Mm-hmm. And then also, at some point in that week, this was last week, Trump was, got acquitted. Yeah. Or was the State of the Union Wednesday? We're like, oh, we're going to be more factually correct. Last week. <laughs> we don't I, need to nail down like that. Yes. Basically, but the all order in was one week. Iowa, State of the Union, somewhere in there was the acquittal, and then we were waiting on the Iowa results. It was crazy. And then a de- presidential debate. Oh, my God. And then there was a debate on Friday. A debate where everyone said, I don't like you, Pete. Um. yes yes okay wow if you follow politics as much as we do maybe you maybe you can relate to how stressful this last week was maybe we should all just chill everyone (laughs) pause the podcast right now chill for a few seconds and then turn it back on (laughs) hi welcome back um that was good because i needed that i took a deep breath yeah that's good feel better okay we're good we're good ready um, so it was a hectic week, to say the least. Yeah, the State um, of the Union, I don't think anything crazy... Okay, what? I take that back, some crazy <laughs> stuff happened. I was like, what are you talking about? This was, <laughs> it was like, just a normal average This day. was one of the weirdest State of the Unions. Um, I was Trump, just trying to not have to talk about it, because it was so weird. Okay, I'm going to power through it really fast. No, no, please Because we have Go so ahead. much to talk about. Uh, basically, Trump stuck to his script, which he's kind of known to do at the State of the Unions, uh-huh. although this time he was like, let me bump up that reality show experience mm-hmm. for everyone. <laughs> I'm going to bring out soldiers. I'm going to give a medal to Rush, Rush Limbaugh, Limbaugh, which I think, like, to get tad serious, is disgusting and an awful thing to do. And Wait, wait, wait. We need to explain what we mean by that. Me. So, Rush Limbaugh. He has a radio show podcast. He's he changed 
talk radio. He basically, he, like, embodies the energy of Fox News. He was one of the people out there being like, Obama's a gay Muslim. <laughs> like, if you... He has said some just very, very racist things. He's some very Very sexist. Some just... Yes. Yeah. And then at the State of the Union every year, because the president, in case you didn't know, because we don't want to be condescending, sometimes you don't know these things, the State of the Union is protected by the way that the framers set up our government. It happens every single year. So the president is supposed to address his goals and what he has done. It, it doesn't still have, Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't technically have to. have to be like a speech. He just has to like let Congress yeah. know what the State it's of the Union is. It's evolved into a televised a speech. speech. And it's become normal to give out awards and well, recognitions. No? no? Not at the Wait. State of the Union. Oh, really? Yeah, so... Can you, yeah, can you those, correct me? Yeah, awards are usually given out at, like, a separate ceremony where all of oh. the recipients are gathered together. Damn, you're brilliant, And Jackson. that happens... Well, like, similar to, like, the State of the Union, that's something that happens, like, usually once a year. It's, like, mm-hmm. similar again, where it's, like, very ceremonious and, like, one of the more, like, prestigious-seeming moments of the presidency, but... Rush Limbaugh was given it during the State of the Union, which was also unusual just because that's usually not, like, the venue for it. Um, it does happen, like... context, It though. coincides, though, right? Like, the event means giving out awards. It just doesn't happen during the speech. I don't think so. Oh, I think God. they're just separate events. Jesus! Um, I could be wrong. Someone wow. yell at us in the comments. Um, Either way, he gave it to Rush Limbaugh. He gave it to Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, which is, I think, a very inappropriate person to give that award to. Isn't it the Medal of Freedom? Yeah, it's like the highest civilian award you can give out. And for context, he also has been diagnosed with like a very uh, far stage of cancer. Yes. Um, which, which is I think sad. Nobody to do. That. Yeah, exactly. I think that you can want someone to not die of cancer and also not want them to get the highest medal of honor. I think there's a gray area there. I'm like, go I think you can want, but I think you can be like, you know what? Between. You should, I don't want you to have cancer, but I also don't want you to be rewarded for being a racist. That, like, you can, can and, and for, that. and again, he did completely change talk radio. He's like a titan of that industry, mm-hmm. but he also got there by saying awful things and he should not be celebrated yeah. for Yeah, and them. I don't think that, we are working. I really wasn't planning on talking no, it's okay. about Rush We're working on being this. more like, we, what we should, what we say should be calculated and fair and shouldn't mislead people, yeah. but I think that that's honestly a fair statement. I think the only people who would disagree with us would be older conservatives, and I don't think that that's our audience, and if they want to come at me, okay, I've said worse things to I the think, audience of older conservatives. I Yeah, I think that, again, it's important to try and present things clearly, and at least if we do have bias to make it clear that we're being biased, that being said, I think it's... I, I, it's not unreasonable. Yeah. To sorry. To say fuck Rush Limbaugh. If my Aunt Bonnie is listening to this, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Just, it's a lot. <laughs> um, okay. But thank so you for was, listening oh, to wait, our podcast. Thank you for listening. And also, we can't forget about what happened at the end of the State of the Union. Can oh I tell this God. one? This is all you okay. do. Take us home. Well, it, okay. At the start of the State of the Union, Nancy Pelosi went to go shake good old Donald Trump's hand. He didn't do it. And then right after that, there's usually a decorum, like there's a phrase that the Speaker of the House says, like there's a welcome phrase where she's like, welcome to my house, because it takes place in the House of Representatives. And she didn't say that, I think, because she was mad that she was like, with honor and distinction, but this time she was like, the president. Yeah, there's supposed to be something that the Speaker of the House says to welcome the president to the chamber. She didn't say it, whatever, no big deal. But then at the end... There's literally on camera, I'm sure you've seen it, she's straight up, she was given a transcript of the speech that's normal, she ripped it up, 
on camera at the end when everyone else was like like Mike Pence next to her was standing and applauding and Trump was like look at how great I am and she's in the background like right there ripping it up yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a joke when I first saw it I thought it was photoshopped because how could she get away with that but I guess this is an episode of Veep this is, the whole it... world is an episode of Veep here's my take I don't know if this is a hot take or not okay let's hear this hot take I think that she saw the clap thing that she did last time go viral mm -hmm. that like little like picture of her giving Trump, she did like, like a sassy clap yeah mm -hmm. love that that was fine I think that she saw that going well and she also t in her credit Trump said a lot of things in the speech that were inaccurate um <laughs> so I get that and also he's impeached like he was undergoing impeachment you know mm -hmm. what I mean like yes. Times are tense. Yeah. Um, but I, th I thought it was a little performative. It was really performative. I, yeah. But whatever. It kind of, like, people didn't give her that much smack. Like, I'm sure conservatives did, but in mm -hmm. my circle, because we tailor our media circles to be an echo chamber, um, not many people were, like, I think people were more focused on other events in the night. Um, and also other events in the week, such as Trump's acquittal. Hey, Mitt Romney. Hey, Mitt Romney. What happened, Jackson? What's an acquittal? So... Basically what happened is that the House sent over the articles of impeachment to the Senate, which basically was going to hear the articles and hear the case and decide like whether trial. or not. Yeah, it's very trial-esque. Um, there was a lot of controversy with this trial. People went into it pretty much expecting Trump to be acquitted, just given the strong mm -hmm. uh, support for Trump within the Senate with Senate Republicans, um, with a few exceptions, which we'll get into, um, because there's something notable there, but people went in expecting to be acquitted. Um, he was some controversy surrounded whether or not there would be witnesses. There were not. Um, but one Senator, Mitt Romney, um, one of the Republicans voted to, um, convict Trump on one of the articles, mm -hmm. making him the first candidate or the, sorry, the first uh, senator to vote to convict a president of their own party. Ever. Ever, I yeah. I didn't know that. So, yeah, so now he's going to be a very fun Jeopardy question in a few years. Oh, my God, that's a um, really good point. Yeah, so everyone remember for Jeopardy. Uh, yeah. Your next trivia night. He was also the only senator <laughs> who didn't vote along party lines. And by that we mean all the Democrats mm -hmm. voted to remove Trump from office. In the Senate, in the House, some of the Tulsi. Every single Democrat voted to remove um, which was actually kind of a big deal because there are... You had Doug Jones. Yeah, Doug Jones of uh, Alabama. Cinema. Yeah, there are senators who are in districts where their supporters, although they obviously voted for the senator to be there, still really like Trump mm -hmm. because, hey, guess what? There is room for both. Go America. People are nuanced? Pe yes, people are nuanced. Voting is not as black and white as it seems sometimes. So there are senators who represent districts that support Trump. So they were put in a sticky situation where if they vote to remove their sen their um, constituents might get mad and not vote for them to be reelected and they mm -hmm. might not be able to remain in office. We don't know if that's going to happen yet, how that reaction is going to be, but they did vote to remove Trump, which I think was, I don't know if that was brave of them. I don't know. I think it was. I think, I mean, from our perspective yeah. as Dem as liberals, as Democrats, I think it, for us, it was like, oh, how brave that they did that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's constituents are thinking it's just as valid. And the, it's worth noting that, especially in Mitt Romney's case, there has been some pretty harsh um, feedback from oh, the sorry, GOP I was going to finish that where, up by saying oh, yeah. that Mitt Romney was the only one who didn't vote along party lines. Oh, yeah. He was the only Republican who voted to remove when every other one 
voted to allow him to stay. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to finish that. Continue. Well, yeah, and Trump was uh, not too happy about that <laughs> as he expressed during a prayer breakfast the following day and at the White House when he took oh, kind God. of like a victory lap What did his speech. son tweet? Donald Trump's son tweeted he something. Tweet, like, he remove tweeted, him from the Republican Party. Yeah, and he <laughs> posted an Instagram that was a little inappropriate too, but I'll let our listeners at home dig that one up. Um... <laughs> Uh, oh my god don jr also by the way about iowa um Mm -hmm. made a comment that he thought that like there was something fishy going on and was like really playing uh donald trump jr as well as trump's campaign manager so i think that they're just to get back to like the electionese stuff a little bit to connect it to that like republicans i think really took iowa specifically as kind of like this chance to be like oh look they're either one corrupt over there, something fishy's happening on the Democrat mm-hmm. side to like rig it or on the other side, it's, Oh look, the Democrats can't even like run a caucus <laughs> in a tiny state. Yes. How are they going to run healthcare for everyone? It was, How are they going to yes. run the economy? And it's like, we got to get our stuff together. Cause you can't, I don't know. Yeah. It just makes Democrats look bad when stuff like this happens. I think at a time when, you know what, like, Trump's campaigning and he's still raising money and like Democrats are spending money to one defeat Trump but also to defeat one another where Trump doesn't really have to worry about like a serious Republican challenger like I don't think he's too worried about Joe Welsh right now oh my god okay wow you that was an incredible transition I was gonna say one more thing about Mitt oh yeah but go. which was that the way that people are talking about him is definitely a little bit hypocritical because liberals like us, Ooh, when he yeah. ran against Obama in 2012, Hated were him. so like, this terrible elitist Republican trash, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And now we're like, he's a hero. Like, he's so great. <laughs> so we're definitely like playing into that. Whatever. Yeah. Mitt Romney seems like a great dude and I would much rather him be president than Trump. Sorry to my professor, Suzanne Lysak, if that is me inserting my opinion into my political narrative. Sorry. Anyway, moving on anyway. to what you just said. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that the way that Democrats conducted themselves during the Iowa caucus was embarrassing. We were mm-hmm. so disorganized. The Republicans, when they're out there, like you said, saying, how can they run the White House if they can't even run an election? They write. Also, that by is so the way, up of us. for context, <laughs> the Republicans had a rough time with the caucuses, too, in 2012. Like, That's their true. results got messed up. But Not as bad as this. I mean, yeah, okay, this, is, this was like, <laughs> this, this was really bad. And so we had to move. I love how we're like ping-ponging back and forth between all these things that happened this week. But that is basically how it went, just... Trump got impeached and not acquitted. Iowa, State of the Union, and then New Hampshire. (laughs) If we had to be overwhelmed watching all of this happen, you have to be overwhelmed listening to us ping pong around and talk (laughs) about this. That's karma. Sorry, we don't make the rules. Wow. Okay. So... Is it fine? We've said, moving on to New Hampshire. Should we just, yeah, we ha- somehow, somehow, we haven't gotten to New Hampshire yet. Okay, we have to get ourselves there. We talked about how Mayor P technically won, Jackson thinks Bernie won because of the popular vote. Um, Something important Just to if re- you want to be consistent. I don't know. <laughs> Jackson. I don't know. <laughs> one of us is a Democrat, one of us is a leftist. <laughs> just kidding. <Oof. laughs> Sorry. Oof. Okay, the only other thing to note coming out of Iowa is that and this is a really hard blow for me, and I'm really emotional, is that Elizabeth Warren got third. And there's a lot more to talk about in regards to a Liz after New Hampshire, so I think that we should move on to New Hampshire and then regroup. Um, New Hampshire. Who won? Okay, Jackson, <laughs> Bernie Sanders won New Hampshire! I 
Let but me also, you. okay, no, okay, I'll, I'll say. But also, Bernie, he was kind of expected to win in yes, New Hampshire. because he, he won did, in 2016. He did very well there in 2016. It's close to Vermont, where he's um, from. Yeah, and again, like, Vermont, similar to, or not Vermont, sorry, New Hampshire, similar to Iowa. Mm-hmm. Candidates spent a lot of time there. Um, and also, so Bernie, like we mentioned, won. Uh, Pete Buttigieg came in a very close second. Yes. Um, so he, he kept that momentum yeah, in Iowa. Yeah, that's really something I think to be noted from all this is like, yes, I think Sanders is performing well, but Buttigieg is very, seems to have kind of taken the place of Biden a bit here. Yeah. Biden's that? support seems to be going towards Buttigieg. And, and then as New Hampshire really illustrated... Amy Klobuchar. Do you remember? Oh, wait. I'm so upset. In the episode that we mentioned that we didn't release because I got nervous, I said in it, I think Amy Klobuchar is going to end up being the nominee. That's my wild card prediction just so that I can, like, come in here and have the underdog opinion. Because if you were right, imagine how cool that would be. I have that recording somewhere and it's not going away. But (laughs) I did say that and I kind of decided to be jokey. But, I mean, Amy Klobuchar really is coming in. Out of the blue. Actually, not out of the blue. Mm-hmm. She's coming in because Joe Biden is not filling the void of moderate Democrat opinions as much as he should have. Guess who's there? Pete, who's a gay dude, and Klobuchar, who's a sweet little suburban woman from the from Minnesota. Minnesota. She's doing really great. Well, exactly. And so we saw, I think, in Iowa, obviously, Biden's poor performance. And then you follow that up with a really pretty solid debate from Amy Klobuchar. Um, on Friday night. Yeah, she did pretty good there. Mm-hmm. And she made some really compelling cases, not only, like, against, like, Buttigieg and Biden and Bernie, but, mm-hmm. like, she really made a case for herself as well. Um, and, yeah, she performed. She ended up coming in third in Iowa, which was really good for her. I mean, yeah, she it placed was, above... Elizabeth Warren and the former vice president President Joe Biden yeah and this is a really big deal um we've talked about this before because I openly I like Elizabeth Warren a lot um Mm -hmm. I think she's would be a marvelous president I think she's really intelligent um and it's I think it's surprising to a lot of people that she's kind of doing pretty poorly and there's a lot of reasons going into it. You should read Box's recent article, like Elizabeth Warren's campaign explained. I Ooh. freaked out over it, sent it to Jackson, and then I did a deep dive and found pictures of Elizabeth Warren from back in the day when she did speech and debate in high school, and I cried night. a little bit. It was a rough night for me. <laughs> I was sitting in AF. <laughs> um, fun. Look, I just love Elizabeth Warren, and it's a bummer. I, I understand why she's falling out of this circle. Um, And it's because she, honestly, like our professor said in class, Elizabeth Warren peaked too early. Mm -hmm. People started talking about her and she started surging so high in the polls over the summer and we started doing this far before, you know, mid-February when we actually started having to test people's Mm -hmm. public opinions on these candidates. And I think that she peaked so early that people were able to dig deep holes and criticize her so much for months leading up to... um, to the Iowa caucus and I think Joe also suffered from that like they were so high in the spotlight early on that there were mm-hmm. a lot of ways to bring them down Bernie has been like so consistent and he's been like being he's been attacked for decades honestly <laughs> and he's been attacked since 2016 that I don't think that affected him that much but whenever you're doing well people go after you and Joe and Liz I think are the biggest mm-hmm. victims of that I yeah I think honestly that also kind of makes a weird case for Mike Bloomberg too who's, like, just in the race, but just has this, like, weird lurking presence where it's, like, everyone's just, like, waiting for, like, the Bloomberg to hit. Yeah, so 
Mike Bloomberg is a former mayor of New York. He's and a, he's avoided, like you're saying, a lot of yes. criticism. He, okay, go. No, you're good. <laughs> he jumped into the race kind of late. Um, he has big public figure. Like, a lot of people knew who he was because he was, like, a high-profile politician. Like, Bloomberg is a name. Billionaire. Multi, Bloomberg is the name of a media outlet. Like, he yeah. is a very famous public figure. And he, I think he used to be a Republican. Uh-huh. He, uh, yeah, and he, like, has a lot a of... A Republican and an independent. Yes, he's been all Democrat over the place. And, yeah. He's a billionaire, and honestly, in my opinion, he is, very much embodies a lot of the same, like, I don't give a fuck, New York energy is Donald Trump, and honestly, sometimes Bernie Sanders. He definitely has that, like, don't, like, he's a little bit aggressive, mm-hmm. and he is, he's in the race, he's lurking around. And he's spending just a significant amount more money than all the other candidates are. I feel like are. he's pouring his life savings into this as a billionaire. And he is, and he has enough to continue. Um, yeah. And he's so he's just ads, ads after ads after ads. If you're wondering who he is, it's the guy who's always on your Facebook. Yes, he is um, flooding everyone's he's, social it's the media. Guy it doesn't matter how old you are. trying to pay influencers to promote him now. Uh... Is fun. I mean, it's brilliant marketing, but it's a little creepy. It's a lot. Also, there's just a lot of videos resurfacing lately of racist things that he said in very poor, like, Yeah, policies. he literally openly said, the biggest, the people who commit the most crime are young black minorities. And it's like, bro, you can't say that. Yeah. How about we don't nominate you? Right? I mean, like, I, like, I, we, okay, so our entire brand, LOL, is being, we are young, we are 20 somethings, we are Democrats who are trying to make sense of what is going on. It's honestly hard for me to make sense of the fact that my Bloomberg might be the nominee. I think that. See, just doesn't embody a lot of what we value in politics because a lot, oh, and here's a transition, Jackson. A lot of what this comes down to and why Bernie Sanders is so popular and why people are over candidates who like Donald Trump, who have a lot of money, is because we've grown up with the idea that money in politics might be kind of bad, you mm-hmm. know? We grew up during the Occupy Wall Street movement. We are the exact types of people who are projected to vote for Bernie Sanders, and we're really genuinely sick of money in politics. Like, the mm-hmm. corruption of Citizens United is something that we have grown up hearing, and to see Michael Bloomberg, a billionaire, self-funded, potentially end up being the nominee simply because he has enough money to outlast the others, it kind of disappoints me. It, I couldn't have said it any better than that. I absolutely agree with you. It's frustrating that, like, when you see um, a movement, whether or not you it, it is the Democratic Party, there is a very strong branch of the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. the Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren side, um, that is sick of corruption. And uh, like you were saying, like, I think as we've done this show more and, like, looked into researching topics and, like, I feel like I've been paying more attention since we've been doing this and I feel like a lot of issues all come back to this idea of money and politics and who, like, what motivates politicians and, like, where this money comes from. So to see a candidate, like, seemingly be able to just buy his way onto, like, the DNC stage and to be able to just completely, like, obliterate the spending of every other candidate, um, it, it's disappointing. It just kind of rubs me the wrong way yeah. as somebody who grew up deciding that I that I like politics because of the potential to change a lot of the mm-hmm. corruption. And 
yet he's running as a Democrat who embodies a lot of the corruption. And I'm not saying that Mike Bloomberg is necessarily a bad person or would be a bad president. For all I know, he could be a good president, and maybe he'd he be could a, be probably the one to be, be a better president than Trump. He'd be a better president than Trump, and he would be, maybe he is the guy to beat Trump. I don't know. But I think it's, again, you know, if we're talking about big overarching themes in all of our episodes, why is it that Mike Bloomberg is in the same fucking party as Bernie Sanders? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And what was your hot... No, we don't need to talk about that. But, like, there is just... There's a lot to be said about the fact that Bernie and Bloomberg are in the same party and Bernie is pretty much all grassroots donors and Bloomberg is just sitting on millions of his own dollars. Yeah, and then that doesn't even get into, like, all the policy differences and stuff like that. And another thing, too, it's, like, Mike Bloomberg is going to be on the debate stage eventually because the DNC changed the rules in a way that now will allow him to, but they wouldn't change the rules for Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, or Julian Castro. Yes. Who are all people who are significantly more deserving of that spot, I think, than Mm -hmm. Bloomberg, given their actual efforts to campaign in all of America, not just in the later states, because you can just skip Iowa because you came in late and just buy everything. And and what Jackson means by that, because... The way that the debate stage has been set up, it's, it, you know, because there are so many people who want to go on that stage because we've had so many people running for president in this party, which is awesome. Um, it's been hard to figure out how to let people on the stage because there's just so many. Mm-hmm. And so there have been rules set up about how much money you have to have and how many polls and or how well you have to be doing in the polls. One of the rules is that you have to have a certain amount of grassroots donors, which means people like you and me and people who aren't, you mm-hmm. know, one percenter businessmen donating out of their own pocket. You know those five bucks. Exactly. Like if you've donated to a campaign, like you're a grassroots donor and you had to have had a certain amount of grassroots money in your campaign account to be on the stage Mm -hmm. bloomberg is very openly saying i'm not doing that i'm only taking corporate money and they and so it's like i'm just using my money yeah sorry you're right he's only using his own money and so they changed the rules to allow bloomberg with no grassroots money to be on the stage even though when cory booker and kamala harris had some support and had validity in being there as senators they didn't have enough money or polling to make the stage and they weren't allowed to do it Mm there therefore they had to drop out Bloomberg got the rules changed for him to be there. Yeah. And that, and that says a lot. Yeah. About the fact that the Democratic Party is honestly so corrupt in so many ways, just like the Republican Party that we rail against so much. Yeah, I agree. It was like a disappointing moment, I thought. Mm-hmm. Especially since there had been statements prior to being like, oh no, we can't change any rules to favor any candidates, can't be any of that. And like, like you said, I think a lot of our generation, our interest in politics is based around this idea of like wanting some level of change and wanting policies to be really like actually focused around average people and wanting We've got <laughs> a the... crazy concept I know. I know. Oh man, it's just like <sighs> Donald Trump is politics, really I think man. to wrap this up, I think it's fair to say that the election of Donald Trump in twenty sixteen has brought to the surface a lot of other problems with the way that we choose to elect people, mm-hmm. the way our democracy works. You know, a, a slight silver lining. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and be very optimistic here. Okay. It's like Trump winning obviously got people, I think, to pay a lot closer of attention. Yes. And by paying closer attention, I think people at me mm-hmm. um, started to see that like Donald Trump really isn't just like 
the cause of everything. He's really like a symptom of something that's been kind of like brewing for a yeah. while. And what that is, is a, a certain chunk of it is like corruption and the unjust influence of money and politics and the weird restrictions of the two party system. It, the, yeah, and the way that our electo- like the way our campaigns and elections actually happen is just mm-hmm. very strange. Yes. And like racism is <laughs> still a very best. big problem. It's a big problem. There's a lot to talk about, but the most important thing that you can do because guess what? It is finally primary season. Like we, we started out this episode by talking about how long ago it was that we were dreaming about these days. We're living it. Yeah. So check your voter registration. Yeah. That's I, what I wanted to finish this with. I really like that. Ending. Yes. I think that if there's one thing to take, you know, what? if you listen to this entire thing, mm-hmm. you have you can log online and check your voting. Please you do can, it. Make it sure you're so registered. Easy. I did it the other day. I'm an out of state voter. It yeah. was so easy. I'm in Colorado. I googled Colorado voter registration, and then I said. Click. It was the first one that came up on Google. All you need to know is your driver's license number or your identification number on your ID card. It's so easy. Please do it. And if you don't know who to vote for in your primary ballots, which will look different than your presidential ballots, but it's just as important. Mm -hmm. You have the internet at your hands, baby. You have a smartphone. Down ballot issues really matter. Local elections, very Mm -hmm. important. They wild... Yes. Check out uh, Ballotpedia. Um, that's a really good website just to like explain everything that's on your ballot. Ballotpedia, mm-hmm. Open Secrets, and 538 are three Ooh, those really are good. good websites just to like understand what's on your ballot, why it matters, what do these numbers mean. Please check it out. Um, also, if you have a ballot that comes in the mail, you don't have to do it that day and immediately send it back. So you can like work on it. You can do some homework. I literally have my ballot sitting on my desk over there. Yes. And it's like half filled out and I'm going to finish looking up the other candidates later. Yeah. We can do that. Because local elections matter. They really do. So maybe you should care. Maybe you should vote. Maybe you should forgive us for um, going Our on for so long. Our <laughs> Wow. And maybe you should subscribe to our podcast. Yes. Wow. Dare I say give us five stars? No, I resent that. It's okay. You don't have to. At least follow us on Instagram. Maybe we'll make a Twitter. One of these days. One of these days. Well, thank you for listening. This episode of Maybe You Should Care was written and produced by Jackson Kripe and Dee Dee Drogi. Jake Moody is our head producer and editor, and we're proud to be a part of the Deconstructed Podcast Network. Follow Maybe You Should Care, all one word, on Instagram. And follow me on Instagram at D-E-D-E-E-D-R-O and follow Jackson on Twitter at Cripe Jackson. You can find more about the show on deconstructednetwork.com. Thanks for caring.